Heavenly Father, we bless you. We thank you for the time this morning and all your word. Thank you, Father. You have the word for us this morning. We ask, God, that you would anoint every word that I speak, that I will not speak from my own wisdom, but from your own wisdom, Holy Spirit. And I come against any plan of the enemy to steal the word of God this morning, to distract and disrupt the service. We break their power in Jesus' name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. The topic of today is do not limit God. Is it possible to limit God? It may seem strange to say yes, but it's true. We can limit God. He is only limited because we limit him in our thinking. We can unconsciously set boundaries in our minds of what he should do, what he could do. God is to us what we think he is. God is to us what we think he is, even though he is limitless. Let's look at the scripture to see how a group of people limited the almighty God. In Psalms 78 verse 41, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. This scripture says that the Israelites limited God. God wanted to do more than they would let him do. God wanted to bring them into the promised land. And he wanted to do it in one year, not 40 years. But the Israelites sent spies out who said that there are giants in the land. So they refused to go. And as a result, they limited him. They delayed their own destiny for 40 years. That wasn't God's plan. God did not want them to spend that long in the wilderness, yet they limited him because of the fear of man. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 17, God said to Israelites, If you should say in your heart, These nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? If you should say in your heart, These nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? The Israelites limited God by saying that the other nations were mightier than they were. God promised them the absolute victory, but they wavered and doubted God. When they did that, they limited God, and he couldn't drive the enemy out. God pointed out that what was really in the heart of the Israelites when they were intimidated by the enemy. Whenever they face a challenge, they only see the problems. They forgot about what God has done for them and how great he was. But from God's perspective, the Israelites were never in it by themselves. He was always with them. He was serious about his covenant. He would never leave them nor forsake them. In this relationship, God sees himself and his people as one, together. But his people saw only themselves. They put themselves in the center of their own belief. This can also be seen in the story of David and Goliath. When the Goliath challenged the Israelites, the Bible said that King Saul and his whole armies were terrified, deeply shaken. Again, they put themselves in the center of their own belief. But David, the man after God's own heart, he had the right perspective. He asked about Goliath in this way. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy? the armies of the living God. David was surprised 
that this person, who was not in the covenant with God, who was not circumcised, would dare to stand against God's people. So David saw beyond the size of Goliath. He saw the covenant. He saw the promise, the partnership between God and him. And that's exactly how God looked at it. And God was able to deliver the Goliath into the hand of David. If we have the same perspective, that the Almighty God and I are together against the world, the Almighty God and I are together against the world, then nothing is impossible with you. But the moment we put ourselves in the center of our own belief, God cannot help us because we don't give him the opportunity to move. As recorded earlier in Deuteronomy 7.17, God said that how can I dispossess them? That means that he can't help us if we don't trust him. It's not that he doesn't want to. He's not able to because he has to stick to his part of the covenant, not ours. So he will be limited the moment we stop trusting God. So whenever we feel overwhelmed or filled with unbelief concerning what God has called us to do, we need to examine our hearts. What are we saying in our hearts? Are we saying that God is too small to help us? Or he's left us to fight for ourselves. Neither of that is true. The Bible says, the people, that do, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. What is the condition of this? To be strong and do exploits is to know God. We limit God when we know ourselves better than when we know God. You know, we spend time meditating on our qualification, on our experience, our personalities, more than spending time meditating on who God is and his testimonies. And this leads to two scenarios. We either become overconfident and go ahead of God to where God hasn't called us yet or he doesn't call us there. Or we refuse to believe God when he asks us to do something that's greater than us. And whatever God has for us is always greater than us, right? He doesn't want us to do anything that we can do ourselves. Otherwise, we wouldn't need him. So in these both scenarios, we limit God because we are not in step with him. When we are too fast, we're in his way. When we are too slow, we hinder him. Always remember that God needs us as much as we need him because the head and the body need one another to function. He needs us. Now when, Moses called, when God called Moses from the burning bush to lead his people out of the slavery, Moses questioned his own ability. What am I to say? Who I am, God? What if people don't believe me? But I'm not good with words. I have this physical condition. Please send somebody else, God. Similarly, when the angel of God called Gideon, the mighty hero of God, Gideon was filled with disbelief. He looked at his clan, his tribe, his family. He looked at himself and he saw all weaknesses. When God called Jeremiah to be the prophet of all nations, Jeremiah also focused on himself and said, How can I speak for you, Lord? I am too young. I hear this kind of talk very often from Christians. These are not humility. These are false humility. They are doubt, a form of pride that puts us in the center and God on the side. Is that true? This is doubt. It's a form of pride that puts us in the center and God on the side. 
but God is so patient and long-suffering. He has the same response to all of that doubts and unbeliefs from Moses, from Jeremiah, from Gideon, and ourselves included. He said this, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. That is Isaiah 41, verses 10 to 12. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Again and again, God reminds us that it is Him, not us, who will perform. God needs someone who will trust Him to let Him move through them. You know that the Lord looks to and fro throughout the whole earth. He looks to and fro. Is that hard to find? Those whose hearts are perfect towards Him so that He can strengthen them. He can show Himself strong in their behalf. He wants to strengthen us he wants to support us more than the opportunities that we give him. And you know that we can easily encourage each other when they go through the storm. You know, he who is for you, uh, the Lord is with us, who can be against us, or nothing's impossible with God. It's easy to encourage others, but when it's our turn to trust God, it's critical that we learn how to encourage ourselves. Because we will then have overcome our own reasoning and emotions to hold on to God. So most of you know that last year, Tosin and I, we held a public healing meeting in September. God asked us to do that, something that we've never done before. It's our very first time. And it was scary. But you know how I encouraged myself? I said to myself that it is my first time, it's our first time, but it's not the Holy Spirit's first time. But he specializes in healing, and he's done it many times before. I, would, I remember I would close my eyes and imagine Holy Spirit healing multitudes at these crusades by the great men and women of God that I've read about or watched online. And I said to myself that the one who heals will do it again. He will do it again through us. It's not new to him, even though it's new to me. So I held on to John 15, 16, whenever the thought of quitting came and reminded myself that if God has asked us to do it, he will show up and he will show out. So this is what John 15, 16 says. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruits so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So in whatever you are in, God chose you to overcome. I remember Tosin and I would say to each other that if he has given us that desires to be used by him, to display his power to all the world to see, then when are we going to start if it's not now? At some point, you have to step out. In the end, we had a great healing meeting. God brought 100 people. We saw instant healings as well as uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, people recommitted their lives to Jesus, and then testimonies that came later on as well. And surely we learned a lot, but it was our first time. And God used that uh, healing meeting to accomplish many purposes beyond our imagination. And guess what? I surely built some mus faith muscles through that experience, stepping out on the water. God taught me to maintain a faith perspective. I can choose to look at the mountain as an impossibility to quit or as an opportunity to write a story with God, to 
I could choose to see the mountain as an opportunity to do a testimony, to write a testimony with the Lord, because with Him, nothing is impossible. I want you to remember this. Faith makes you look at the mountain and not fear the height. Faith makes you look at the mountain and not fear the height. If you remember that, you can tell when your belief is starting to shift from God to yourself. When you start to feel overwhelmed, stressed with what it's called you to do, it's a sign that you've fallen into that bad habit again of putting yourself in the center of your own belief. And the only way we can get rid of that habit is to change the way we think. Because the reality is that we put limits on God by our small thinking. We may not say it, but we think in our heart that someone can only be blessed this much. I can only be victorious in certain areas of my life. Or God can only use me in certain ways. They are lies from the enemy. We need to change the way we think by having our minds renewed. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? He has already blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. He has given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He works in us, believers, to will and to do in order to fulfill his purpose. So his will is for us to draw out this blessing and victory into the physical realm and fulfill his purpose for our lives. How? By renewing our mind. Another version of the Bible says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So if we don't think right, we are not able to prove and manifest that will of God in our life. We will limit God if we are not renewed in our thinking. How do we know that we are renewed? When we think God's thoughts. When we think God's thoughts. When we think in line with the word of God, that's when our mind is he wants us to have the revelation that he didn't create us just as an ordinary human being. Okay? He, God doesn't make nothing ordinary. He didn't make us physical beings. We are spirit beings. We are spirit beings born of God. With the Almighty makes his permanent dwelling inside of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this in Amplified Version. Do you not know and understand that you, the church, are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells permanently in you, collectively and individually? We don't have to have low self-esteem anymore because the Spirit of Christ is in us. We can have Christ-esteem, the highest form of confidence in the abilities of God inside of us. We are so powerful in the spirit realm. We just don't know it, but we are. Because why? We are members of Christ's body, and Christ is the head over all rule and authority. So we are above and not beneath. Amen? We must get the revelation that we are spirit beings. We are not physical beings. We are not carnal men. We are spirit beings born of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, so that we can live accordingly. Know that so that we can live accordingly to who we are. If we don't live according to that, 
you will miss God. Now, since we are spirit beings, our body, this body here, is only an earth suit so that I can interact with the world around me. And we are here for a reason. We are here to spread the gospel and to display the glory of God. This is not our home. The earth is not our home. We say that, right? We say that we are citizens of heaven. So this is not our home, so we're not here to enjoy. We're here on a battle. We are here on a mission. So let's not mistaken that we're here to enjoy life. We're here to fight, to enforce the victory of Christ Jesus. When we get to heaven, we can enjoy ourselves for eternity, but not right now. Now, because we are the citizens of heaven, our nourishment comes from the presence of God. Yes? We do not live by bread alone, but by the word of God, which is our spirit and truth. Our wisdom comes from God and not man. We worship God in spirit and in truth. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. And we have spiritual weapons to deal with them. And our blessings are spiritual blessings. And God has given us all that we need to bring out, to manifest that blessing into the physical realm. We don't need to draw them out. Now, we will limit God when we are spirit beings, but we live like a physical being. We are made for different words, but we are living like a carnal man. If we live according to the flesh, we will limit God. I'll give you examples of how we limit the manifestation of God's blessing in our lives when we apply the carnal approach to spiritual things. Okay? You might not realize, but we very often apply the carnal approach to the spiritual things. Number one, we put a limit on our spiritual growth when we approach the Bible intellectually. They will limit our spiritual growth when we approach the Bible intellectually. God is a spirit, right? His words, his ways, his thoughts are spirit. Our minds cannot comprehend. They simply cannot. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. So one can read the Bible 40 times, can memorize back to front, can have degrees from the Bible college, but without the help of the Holy Spirit, that person will not be transformed. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, no one can ever receive the revelation or knowledge of God's Word to become a new person. So we limit the degree of our transformation when we limit the opportunities for the Holy Spirit to teach us through studying and meditating on the Word of God. Another example is how we limit God from empowering us with supernatural strength, bonus, divine wisdom, and guidance, they are available to us, but we limit God. We don't let God empower us with those things. Why? Because we don't pray or have inconsistent prayer life. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I've stopped praying lately. I'll need to pick it up again. You know, when I hear people speaking like that, it's a prayer as if it's a, a diet, the good things to do. I know that they haven't got the revelation yet that they are spirit beings. Because if they do, they wouldn't realize the importance of prayer. It's like breathing. I know because I've been there before. I used to have zero prayer life for many years. Prayer is our lifeline to the spirit realm where we belong. Prayer life is, is a must. It's not an option. Prayer is lifeline to the spiritual realm where we, spirit beings, 
receiving the substance that we need to stay alive. Prayer is a connection with God that has been restored back to the redeemed man through the blood of Jesus. Jesus said that man ought always to pray and not faint. Always to pray and not faint. Refreshment, wisdom, bonus, divine guidance comes through prayer, through the structured time of praying and through the constant fellowship with the Lord throughout the day. That's why a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. And a prayerless church is a powerless church. God has given us the privileges of prayer and the benefits. But who puts the limits on the benefits? Us. We do. By how much we pray. It's not God that's limiting. We are limiting ourselves. We can also limit God in the area of human relationships. When we deal with people from the carnal perspective, we lose every time. We have an invisible enemy that influences people to press our buttons, to drag us into the flesh. And what is the enemy after? Division. Division in the home, in the community, in the church. If we do not know our spiritual weapon to use against our spiritual enemy, our unity will be stolen as the army of the Lord fights the wrong battle end up hurting each other, okay? When the body of Christ is divided, we limit God. He cannot do the mighty things because his body is not functioning properly. So it's very important to always keep in mind our struggle is not against flesh and blood and we must protect our unity at all costs. There is much power in unity. Now, the greatest things believers are limiting God today, I believe, is by not exercising our spiritual authority. Not exercising our spiritual authority. Jesus told us in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power, not some, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. The enemy knows that our spiritual position is higher than his because we are members of Christ's body and he is ahead. So we are completely above the enemy, completely unmatched in the spirit realm. That's why we're able to cast out unclean spirits using the name of Jesus. But if we don't, do not know this, the enemy will drag us into the flesh to focus on the contrary evidence presented to us by the five senses. Remember that we are spirit being. We are in the spirit by default, but we can fall into the flesh. Okay, We are not physical being. We are not in the flesh trying to get into the spirit. No, we are spirit being. Our default is in the spirit realm, but we can be dragged into the flesh. The more we are renewed in our mind, the more we can stay in the spirit realm. But the more we are less renewed, the more easily we fall into the flesh. When we are in the flesh, we get caught up with reasonings and emotions instead of trusting in the Lord with all our understanding. If we fight the devil in the reasoning realm, we will lose every time, right? He's the father of all lies. So we must not pick up that battle in the reasoning realm. We must stay in the spirit where we already won. We know the devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And the Lord, Jesus Christ, came that we may have life and have it to the full. So if we have not experienced that fullness of life available in Christ, then we must have allowed the enemy to steal things from us. Does that make sense? And this applies to all areas of our life. Health, finances, relationships, careers, ministry, business, whatever. It is not God who is holding back. It is not God. We must get it straight in our head. It is not God who is holding anything back from us. He has given us all the blessings. We have got them in our hands. Now the enemy trying to come and steal it from our hands. That's why he's called a thief. If there's nothing that you, you have nothing, he cannot steal anything. But the fact that you have everything, that's why I try to come and steal from you. Example, I do not need to try to ask for health because I've got given divine health. Because Jesus suffered for my deliverance of sickness and disease, right? But the enemy would try to come and steal my health, leave me sick. So how do I respond then? I face a thief. I do not beg God for what something he had done. I face the enemy. Now God said that my people perish for lack of knowledge. This is it. We are the one that's limiting our blessing because we do not know to face our opposition, to take back what belongs to us. You see that? Satan knows how powerful Christians are because where we are seated with Christ, in heavenly realm, that is why Satan will fight you when you try to learn about spiritual authority it will resist you all the way when you try to trust God and exercise the authority. And many will give up if they do not have that personal revelation of their authority, their rights and privileges in Christ Jesus. This is how the body of Christ limits God today. Most believers are not learning this truth in church. They're not being taught about their authority, about their rights and privileges as the children of God. Instead, they are taught to beg God for what God has done, as if he's holding them back. But remember this scripture, Romans 8, verse 32. Get this straight. Romans 8, chapter 32. But God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously give us all things? It makes sense, right? It is the truth. But in the midst of difficulties, we question. We must change the way we think. Don't let the enemy lie to us. Prosperity, healing, deliverance, baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, supernatural encounters with the Lord, they're all available to the body of Christ. Unfortunately, many churches have reduced the biblical standard to the level of their experience and limit God. The Holy Spirit and his manifestations are not welcomed in many churches. In the Bible said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, they, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. If a church leader is after numbers, they will preach what kind of Christians want to hear and not what God wants to say. Their fear of man and desire for popularity will steal the power out of the gospel. But I pray that this will never happen to our church, that we shall not compromise the word of God 
and reduce our meeting to religious activities and gathering. That we will pray so that we become a powerful church. That we shall be united and not divided by the enemy because we're not ignorant by the devices of the devil. And we shall prosper in all areas of our lives and see the powerful demonstration of God's power when we exercise the authority of Christ Jesus. If we're in this together, I believe we are, we are, right? Then individually, we must take responsibility to live according to who we are. We're already that powerful. We just need to find out, believe it, and live accordingly. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, very popular. We quote it all the time. We might not quote the whole thing, which is a problem. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to, there's a condition, according to the power that works in us. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we can imagine, but not independently. He needs a body. He can only do that according to the degree of or in proportion to the power at work in us. God's power is restricted only by what we say or think by the faith that we exercise. So next time when you quote this scripture, remember, there are two parts to it. And if we do our part, he will do exceedingly abundantly more than what we can ask or think. Today, we must make a decision to take the limit of God. We must be dissatisfied with the status quo of our life when we compare it with what God has done already. We must be dissatisfied. Without dissatisfaction, we are not going to desire change. We must be dissatisfied. God wants, us to, God wants to bless us more than we can take. He wants us to be victorious in all areas of our lives. He wants to use us to display his power and glory before we even ask. So let's take it very seriously, what God has highlighted to us this morning. I want to ask you a question. What is the area that you've been limiting, limiting God? What is the area or what are the areas that you have been limiting God? I know he's speaking to you. I want to give you a moment to reflect what God has highlighted to you. Close your eyes and reflect with the Lord. What area is it that you need to change? We cannot settle for less anymore. Remember, we're not here to enjoy. We're here to mean business with the enemy. So we need to be serious about what's highlight, what God's highlighting. Every opportunity when he speaks, we need to respect him. Take it to heart and work on it. So let's ask God to help us with that thing or the things that he has highlighted to you and commit ourselves to pursue an intimate relationship with God because Holy Spirit is the only one that can help us to change the way we think. Then God can flow freely in us and through us. So let's pray together, guys. Let's close our eyes and pray together. Thank you, Father.
for your word. We thank you for showing us where we have limited you so that we can change. We thank you for your patience with us, Father. And we are sorry for all the time that we put ourselves in the center of our own belief and doubted you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you enlighten our eyes of understanding with fresh revelations of who we are and our covenant with you. Enlarge our thinking, Lord, so that we will not limit you. Father, we want to pursue an intimate relationship with you. Give us the grace, Father, to pray and study the Word of God, to step out in obedience. We thank you, Father. We bless you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God.